Pokemon. Thank you for tuning into the Madden Bay podcast, where we focus on all things pro soccer in the DMV and across the world. This is Jose Almanya from the Sports Pulse, and joining me as always, Mario Maya from Tiempo Latino. Mario, how you doing? I am doing all right. I'm just sitting here, chill like a villain, chill like a felon, and enjoying the wonderful weather outside. Yeah, it's better than the crap we had yesterday. We'll get into that. True that. We'll get we'll get into why I'm more frustrated in a second, and we'll also talk about the Washington spirit. But we'll gotta get started with DC United taking on the Los Angeles Galaxy in the original MLS Classical, and it was Christian Beteke who was the actual star that turned out. He had a goal and assist two minutes apart to help DC United spark a nice comeback, three goals in ten minutes. To earn a 3-0 victory over the Galaxy on Saturday night. It is the first time in the rivalry of DC United has beaten the LA Galaxy in that scoreline. Viteke would end up the scoreless match in the 73rd minute when he scored unassisted. And then he would find the good pass to find Christian Dahomey on the run to get the score. And then lastly, Matias Klick turned up and scored on a loose ball, unassisted, obviously, after a save in the 80th minute, and celebrated like Wayne Rooney. <laughs> if you can go look up that video. Wayne was happy with the result. The team was happy with the result. Mario, what were your thoughts on the result? Uh, so first off, we now have a new time-honored tradition at DC United. All your homegrown center backs now have the star... DP forward signing of the LA Galaxy in your back pocket, i.e. previously Jalen Robinson to Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and last night, Donovan Pines to Chicharito Hernandez. It was a great performance. Uh, it isn't the most dumb. It wasn't the most dominant performance like against Charlotte, but it was an all-around good performance. I think that DC United were clearly the better team than the LA Galaxy in most stretches of the game. Uh, the first half left a little bit, left, left a little to be desired, but I think DC United still was the better team in that first half, created some opportunities, weren't as clinical in their finishing at first. Part of it has to do with the weather conditions because it was raining, then it stopped raining at halftime. But all in all, I think they were the team that had the most initiative uh, they were pretty. They they were solid throughout, and just it was inevitable that they were going to score. And before Benteke's goal in the 73rd minute, they had a they scored, but it was called back into for an offside, which was never an offside. By the way, let, let, let's call that right now. I I don't know what the referee was actually looking at on that play. Christian Benteke initiates the play. And he finishes the play. And he clearly, clearly, the, he's never offside on that play. But I digress. I think Christian Pateke was a handful for the LA Galaxy defense, which left a lot to be desired. They, they do not look great, by the way. Uh, LA defensively was just staggered, just staggered along. And all in all, I think this was DC United's better performance. They had a much better second half. They were a much more dominant team, and it showed at the end. And so I think that, oh, I, I think just having your star players show up, Click played a pretty, uh, pretty solid game. Lewis O'Brien was clearly, has clearly been the stalwart in that midfield. And Christian Dahomey coming off the bench to score a goal, he, it was a long time coming, but all in all, I think DC United played really well last night. Yeah, I agree with you that United was the better side. There's not much to say. I will say, unlike what seems to be the the reported that, you know, it was kind of a back and forth sloppy affair in the first half that turned up in the second. If you watch that first half, outside of the first 10 minutes and the last five of the first half, it was all DC United. Like if you look at the heat wave, like possession wise, the ball was mostly in the Galaxy territory. Any kind of counterattacks that attempted to progress outside of the midfield were stopped right away by Victor Paulson. 
like you mentioned earlier, uh, Pines marking out Chicharito Hernandez, who was obviously very frustrated that at one point he thought he was going to get a foul call, didn't get it. It was questionable at best, but we don't need to talk about the officiating. I think I could say it right here, right now. The officiating was inconsistent at best. I think that's the kindest thing I could say about the officiating. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, that, that was uh, Kopataki, uh, uh, Kopataka officiating right there. And if you're a local, you understand what I'm talking about there. It was very minor league, the the officiating. And um, the offside call, I agree with you, that wasn't offside. I was in the stands. It did not stop raining at halftime. It stopped raining around the 65th, 70th minute. And when that goal came, suddenly the rain stopped. I can tell you. <laughs> I can tell you because I was like, oh, I tweeted it out immediately. So does the goal start coming, huh? The rain stops. That's kind of great. We should have had these in the 20th minute. That would have been fantastic. Um, but, but if you watch that first half over again, like a lot of the ball and a lot of the plays being played in the midfield side of the galaxy and it set up the story uh, like united is just being patient with the ball looking for opportunities while they weren't converting them which has been an issue all season you knew by the way they played that first half it's gonna come and they were just being more and more patient than the galaxy it felt like the galaxy at times were very haphazard very self-destructive in their own play there was like I messed up after Chicharito didn't get the red card foul. I mean, didn't get the foul in the box call with Donovan Pines. Well, one of their midfielders just slide tackled a DC United player and got a yellow. So it was just like a lot of situations. That was Lewis O'Brien, I believe, that he slide tackled. Yeah, it's just a lot of these, a lot of these recurring moments with the Galaxy where it was like they self destructed in the themselves and United responded. I felt like. Jonathan Bond had a lot of slip-ups, and United was noticing. Lewis O'Brien obviously noticed because then he pounced on that ball. Now, my angle, it looks clear as day that Lewis O'Brien got a piece of the goalkeeper. You know, a sensible referee would have probably gone double-check. But for United fans, let's be happy he didn't check because then it would have taken away the Teke's awful, like, he earned a goal that day. He earned a goal. And it's not fair that, you know, a goalkeeper who's testing who's testing his luck a little too much gets away with it. I agree. Uh, I, Rafael Romo, circa DC United 2022. Exactly. And and he and look, Miller always does, tries to do stuff like that. And he gets careful. <laughs> he gets very lucky at times. But I thought Benteke's hold-up play, once again, the best in the league probably since Josie in his prime with his hold-up play. Um, gets the pressure from the back line, holds everyone off. It makes just the simplest touches in front of Dahomey. He kind of explained it to us in Spanish, like, you know, we've been working on that since I've been traded here. Um, and he just had to make sure he was in the right spot. And... And they got to the right spot. He made one small touch. It's the delicate of touches so that he could be one-on-one with the keeper and make that slip pass. And obviously, Bond, once again, he fumbled across. Click. Clearly enough by Christian Dahomey. Yes, and then Click cleans it up and scores uh, 3 nothing. Uh, I'm all for it. If, you, if that's how United is going to play going forward or they're going to be patient, with their attack, I'm fine with it. I want them to find the goals. Uh, Wayne has been preaching that, that this is how this team's going to play. They're going to build up slowly and get into the goals and get into possessions and and then attack. This is, mind you, probably United's best performance without some a lot of their great players. They were without Steve Birnbaum, without Taxi Funtas, without Indy Nahar, who all – are set to come back, um, which is going to be great. We need them to all to come back and continue the great form that this team showed, especially when you're going up against a Toronto team that seems to be in dysfunction. These are the games that they should win. Like, this is why I got upset with the Nashville game. When you clearly dominate 
you can't, and I think in the Washington Post, this was the lead. This is not the time anymore where you can be happy about draws and games you win. Where you win possession, you win in the attack, you mark out the best player. You should win the game. And I think United's finally reached that point where they're no longer going to be satisfied with the good draw, the quote-unquote good draw. Oh, we played better, but we didn't get the result. No, now you have shown that you should get the results. Prove that you can be one of the team's better half uh, sides in the league. I don't care so much about this Super League uh, uh, Leagues Cup thing, but if you want to show that you you matter again to certain fan to certain parts of the fan base who showed up to their first game at Audi since it opened yesterday, we had a lot of first time fans or returning fans. You want them to keep coming back to support not Chicharito but support what you're coming with. You got to continue playing the way you're playing and getting the wins at home, but also getting the wins on the road against teams that are not delivering and are currently in the bottom half of the league. True. And I also did ask Wayne this question last night. This is the first game this season, this is the first time this season where he's repeated starting lineups. And considering that you're playing on back to back weeks where they played in Philadelphia on Wednesday, they played with that same starting lineup. And it looks like it worked. Uh, Defensively, Donovan Pines and Derek Williams were extremely sound. I think them switching out on center backs was good. They played really well. They were able to keep Chicharito at bay. They were able to to stifle the attack down the wing with Tyler Boyd at times. And it looked like once L.A. wanted to find counterattacks, and try to revolve everything around Chicharito attack-wise, once DC United figured it out, it kind of just, it kind of broke down for them. And I think one of the things that LA had a tough time handling was Samake. I think this is Samake's, Samake's had back-to-back, back-to-back great performances. He had a great performance against Philly. He had another really stellar performance against LA last night. And it shows that he's up for it, and he's been—he's able to attack the wings. He was able to create, create attack, different attacking scenarios without ri- without risking hit, without risking it defensively in a way. And it's kind of funny we mentioned this, like when they brought him on last year, we kind of didn't see the vision a little bit when Lucy when Lucy Rushton signed him. Signed him. It took us a year, but we see it. I see the vision. And Sabaki's played well. He's show he's showed up. He's put, he's been he's been really good. And I think that's just a testament of how well that they've been able to play with this style of play that Wade Rudy wants to implement with the team and just kind of playing off the back. Victor Palson has been really good defensively this season, and he's been one of those stalwarts. And it's kind of interesting to say because we don't see him as a center back. But he comes back as more of a central defensive mid. Chris Durkin on the wing was really good last night. He was creating opportunities. So all in all, DC United played with this sense of urgency. And they built it up perfectly. Where they were patiently waiting to see what LA did. What LA would do offensively. And see where they could catch them off, off guard defensively. And they were doing that for good portion of the game and it just came it came a lot more it became a lot more clear once the game advanced and much more much more during the second half that dc was building up plays not only off the middle but they were building up plays off the wing and i think that's one thing that totally killed la because two of those goals came well the third goal in particular came off the wing where Christian Dahomey is racing down the left-hand side, sends it across the bond, and then off the rebound, Matias Click is just right there. And so I think not only has the defense done really well in contributing to the attack, Click O'Brien, Click and O'Brien have added this like have added this sense of security and this air of creation in the midfield that kind of helps. And it shows now under Wayne Rooney. And this has 
been uh, kind of considered in not only in the four game winning streak, but against Philadelphia, also against Philadelphia on Wednesday. They gave the Philadelphia's defense fits along with Christian Betzekis hold the play. So all in all, I think DC United found once they hit their rhythm, it, there was very little LA could do. So yeah, but that's eight days. United has gone unbeaten, one win and two draws. We've only conceded once. And just a quick uh, update, like we mentioned earlier, there's going to be some players returning. Uh, hopefully for that game against Toronto, you have Steve Birnbaum who had the hip injury, Pedro Santos and Andy Nahar as well hamstring and calf, uh, respectively, and Taxi Fool does with the hamstring. They look to almost be available for Toronto. Um, Left-back Mohamed Yaizi has returned to D.C. following the alleged assault allegations in Stockholm. It is unsure that it's clear. Club officials tell the Washington Post that he has been cleared of those charges. However, Swedish authorities have not commented on the matter. Um, according to the Post, I, yeah, Jazzy uh, has spoken to the league about lifting his suspension, uh, which has prevented him from participating in league activities, well, team activities. Uh, he still needs to, as Wayne stated last week, which we played here on the podcast, he still would need to go through uh, rehab for his quadricep injury, which he hasn't been able to get due to his arrest and staying in Sweden. And lastly, Jackson Hopkins, who played well last year under uh, the other coaching regimes that happened, has been loaned out. The 18-year-old has been loaned out to Lyon United for the rest of the year. Can be called back at any time, but he hasn't gotten any playing time under Wayne Rooney since mid-March. He's only had three regular season appearances, well, three regular season minutes, and two Open Cup games to play in. So hopefully he will get more time with Loudoun United. Um, those were your, just your key notes just to catch you up on everything that's happened United before and now after the aftermath against the Los Angeles Galaxy. Moving on, the Washington Spirit were on the road in Florida they had just knocked out Orlando Pride in the Challenge Cup in a historic 4-2 win with all the goals happening outside the penalty area. But couldn't happen again where all the starters are together. Don't blame them. Both teams are on a roll. And Orlando hasn't lost in five. The Spirit were undefeated. Something was going to happen. And that was the Spirit. As Martha got a goal and assist to help the Pride Defeat the Spirit and hand them their first loss of the regular season, two to one. I mean, this was a this was a, this was a back and forth affair. You had Adriana getting taken down in the box to, uh, by Amber Brooks. She had there was a battle between those two, but takes takes her down. Clear and obvious penalty. Marta came in, slipped in her first goal since 2021. Long, long time. She was out last year, if you remember, with an ACL tear. But it didn't take long for the Spirit in an interesting sharp corner play. Uh, you get a, a random here, Sam Staub, getting the header off of the off of a cross. One of the goal her. scorers in the Challenge Cup game, by the way. Exactly, but she gets her first regular season goal of the year. Um, and But then, and so they go one-on-one to the break. After multiple chances by the Spirit, where they went two minutes with four chances, unable to beat the goalkeeper, it was Kylie Storm who put Orlando ahead with 15 minutes to go, connecting off a Martha corner kick to the far post. Anna Morehouse would end the game for the Pride with five saves, stopping stopping multiple opportunities, including freezing out two clear chances by. Uh, Ashley Sanchez to get a tying goal or in the moments when it happened, a lead, getting the lead in the second half. Mario, what were your thoughts? I thought the Spirit were, and I think it was said best at the halftime break by Sam Staub, it was, they were being too casual at times, very cute. And 
I think they kept Orlando in the game. When there were times that they could have killed them off, there was the clear corner, um, well, f- free kick in the second half when it was still 1-1. That lands right in the Ashley's feet, and I don't think she was expecting it or the way she reacted to it landing in front of her. And so it bounces off her feet and goes straight into the keeper's hands. If you're expecting it, you just hit it one time in the net. That's an easy goal. I don't think she was expecting it at all. And that kind of goes to the casual nature of how the spirit played. I feel like they were struggling with both uh, Adriana and her speed. And then you had the other wing, uh, Bright, with her speed. She went forward but was also playing off on the wing. They were both challenging the spirit's defenses more than other teams had, to be honest with you. And they were really testing Amber Brooks. Like, Brooks, she started off the season on the bench, but she's come in since multiple injuries. And she was just, her and Adriana, they had some moments where I was stunned. Uh, Brooks didn't get (laughs) another yellow. Um, So I, I really, those two were going back and forth. And Adriana Rook was clearly drawing fouls every time she would beat Brooks and Brooks would try to get her. She'll try, she drew the penalty. She drew a free kick at the late in the half. I thought that that really flustered the spirit more than anything, but missed opportunities. Again, from the 52nd to the 55th, they had four shots on goal. I think the clearest opportunity that they missed was the one-on-one Ashley Sanchez had with Morehouse. Yes. Where instead of just trying to, I guess you wanted to get cute with it, but once she boots, she pivots to the right. Anna Morehouse kind of figures, oh, she's going to try to juke me out and then just gets the ball. But I think the two opportunities that were really indicative of how this game was going to go were the two back-to-back long-distance shots from Andy Sullivan and Dorian Bailey, where they really test Morehouse. All and three Morehouse, of those opportunities were the ones that happened in those five, in the the three shots, the three opportunities in two minutes. It was all three of those opportunities. If they make all three of those opportunities, or at least just one, the spirit would have walked away at the very least out of Orlando with a point. It was a back and forth affair. I think Martel played really well. Consider uh, this has to be her first game back from the injury. No, nope. All right, well, well, it's her first official start. It's not her first official game back. This is the first game where they've given her a start and just let her play and free roam and and not and allow her to be what she's always been is the focal point in the attack. They've been very hesitant because of the ACL tear her age and trying to like limit how far she can go uh, without, you know, possibly re-injuring herself. Right. But she played extremely well. I think the court, the goal for Strum at the end of the game, I, I, it, that was a really, really well taken corner. I don't think at first it's kind of funny because the commentary team's like, did that go in for a second? And then they realized it was in the back of the net, but Strum came in wide open. Nobody was seat. No, nobody came to mark her at all. And so that that's kind of what kills the spirit a little bit. But I think the spirit played well. They created enough chances. It's just, like you said, they kind of got cute at moments during this game. And I think that kind of takes away of what they were been doing at uh, going into this game against Orlando was just them being a lot more direct. And, yeah, you can get cute in games, and you get cute at times. But if you get a little too cute, sometimes they will have you pay for it. And, unfortunately, they paid for it okay, with, with it, it, towards the end of the game. But I think that one of the other things that Orlando did really well was uh, pretty much isolating Trinity Rodman. Trinity Rodman was kind of a non-factor at the, in this game. So... Once Orlando did that, they kind of pretty much opened up the game a little more to create their own style of their own style of attack. They have Marta be more of that focal point and mm-hmm. using Adriana's speed, which pretty much gave the, the the defense and in particular Amber Brooks a lot of hits throughout the game. But other than that, this was a really really entertaining game. It was high. It was really well 
highly contested and both teams created enough opportunities where they could have taken away the th- three points. But at the end, it, it was uh, it just wasn't the Spirits day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the easier way of taking it. Um, for me, I look at it as missed opportunities, kind of the opposite of what we have with United, where United had these three opportunities, get the loose ball, did the goalkeeper, let's go, turnover, get the shot, uh, get a high pass from the goalkeeper, you get you mean you muscle the defense away. This case, the spirit had the clear opportunities, the Sanchez opportunity. Uh, was the clearest one, the two back-to-back fire shots from outside the penalty area. Um, you also had Maitier, who finds Sanchez on the on the far post, and her shots, she hits it too high and not just hit it with power. She tried it, and then it goes back to what Sam Staub said in the halftime break, or being too casual. And I think sometimes when you're on a, on a roll, when you start all seven games unbeaten, yeah, you had a lot of draws there. I think it's four of those were draws. You you kind of need a gut punch to remind you why you're in this position. And this is one of those. The Spirits should have finished off those opportunities. I do agree with you. I saw very little, not just Rodman, Hatch, and the credit goes to Orlando for playing that high uh, block, forcing the Spirit to have to play more with their midfield. But then in the second half, you know, the Spirit didn't really have as much possession as they had previously. And that's because Orlando changed their idea. They said, we're attacking them in the wing very effectively. Let's keep doing that when we have opportunities with our counter. And we can keep the high block at times, but we don't have to be so aggressive with it like we were in the first half. And you really saw the possession change in those final 20 minutes leading up into the goal. But like you said, it's that pressure. That pressure is what caused you. what ended up happening, you know, the spirit playing casually from the back. Adriana gets gets an opportunity because there's a steal, and Watt gets the ball and gets a corner out of it, and it leads to uh, – no, it actually Watt gets the, gets the ball, takes it away from the casual spirit back play, to get the ball to Adriana to take the shot to bounces off the defender for the corner, then leads to Marta with the cross in for Strom. I, I really think the spirit is going to learn from this. And it kind of reminded me, that play in specific, reminded me of the things they hated about playing last year, where they played a lot from the back, where they would do goal kicks directly to their center backs. Allah, you see that a lot with Man City at times. They play directly to the center backs versus just booming the ball. Or if you're going to boom the ball, boom it to the side. Or you have your midfielder, your winger. They were trying to get away from that this year. And to see them casually playing from the back when you see Orlando pressuring them as they had been for the last five minutes prior, it kind of speaks to they were too confident. And they really should have picked up the pace. And if they felt tired, that's one of those times where you kind of, as a manager, have to, whether you don't want to, pull them off. You know, we saw Shiva come in with a sub late to the game, Douglas as well. I feel like those subs could have been better utilized early on. You obviously don't want to pull out your best players if they're playing well. But... We weren't seeing much of Hatch, and he pulled Hatch off. But Rodman, she was kind of invisible. We probably wanted to pull her off, too. We don't even know the effects of that collision she had in the first half, and maybe that was bothering her. So the Spirit played okay in my book, but they left a lot to be desired offensively. Right. I think it's just one of those things where everybody's going to have a a match where you're tied where they're going to catch you slipping and they, they caught the spirit slipping, but I think they learned from this and I think it'll make them a better team for it. Exactly. Just some quick notes from throughout the week as everyone's probably already heard, but we'll talk about it real briefly here. The Washington Spirits owner, Michelle Kang has struck a deal to create her own multi-team women's soccer organization or ownership collective. That would include the Spirit and Leone. 
the French women's side, uh, her agreement with OL Group A and Eagle Group Football Holdings creates one big massive group. Uh, According to the statement, quote, this deal will represent a major step forward in the history of women's professional football. It brings together the parallels, the traditions of an eight-time Champions League winner, OL Femenil, and the dynamism of the 2021 NWSL champion spirits to usher in a new era for the sport. Kang will be the majority owner and CEO of this organization, and she will be part of the OL Group uh, Board of Directors. And... She says, and this is something we've heard from her, she plans to add more international clubs to this ownership group. Mario, we've been hearing from it. Well, in the first game of the season, she mentions this to reporters. We have known the Spirits ownership in general being interested in quote-unquote world domination. What are your thoughts on this? Is seemingly the the new football group. We have the red the Red Bull football group. We have City football group. Now we have another one here. What are your thoughts? And let world domination commence. Let's start with that. I you know what? Last week I said I see the vision with the fruit when they first came out with these reports. I see the vision clearly now. Michelle King is out here trying to dominate the world. And I'm here for it. It's interesting that you it's an interesting uh, proposition that she creates this football group. It's a women's led football group. And it's kind of the first of its kind. It's kind of interesting to see where this goes. But personally, I think that it's pretty exciting. And especially that you've got a team such as Olympic Liddell Feminine to jump on board with this idea. Kind of gives it more of this. It, it solidifies it a lot more. It gives it a lot more credibility. Not saying that Michelle K doesn't have the credibility by just being the spirit owner, but it sets a precedent and also sets like this. Sets a uh, 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 set, sets uh, sets. Well, I guess yeah, sets a precedent for where for where she wants to go with not only just the spirit, but with this whole football group. So it's kind of interesting to see how she's tying all this together. I mean, tying it together, I guess, is kind. I see it as, you know, her looking at it. She first, obviously, has enjoyed the perks of being the spirit owner. And she wants more of the say. She clearly... Loves this a lot more, and I'm not trying to speak for her, than her ownership of the healthcare conglomerate that she works for in general. Um, I think she likes the fact that when she goes with her spirit players, she goes to these things in Europe, and she sees the favoritism that clubs like Barcelona, Real Madrid, Chelsea, Manchester United, just to name, in the men's space when they create women's teams and seeing what they how they succeed and so it does it helps you more when you combine with probably the best women well women's club in over the past decade and a half in europe in um, in olympic feminine i like it in the sense that we could see some of their players coming here we can see as we saw with with oil rain who by the way, they're trying to sell now. We've known that they've been trying them to sell them because of the first rumors that came out. Um, which, by the way, uh, L'Equipe is owed a huge apology now because <laughs> <laughs> they were right. They were right. They're probably just mad that, you know, uh, I know, I know Leon, which probably was trying to make that announcement, they were probably upset. So I, they had to come out here with that whack thing from a month ago. So we all, oh, they keep a little apology. We have to, like you said, we have to wait out to see the vision here. And so, um, but all I would say is we've known Michelle wanted to do this. If anything, I see it as the long-term play of possibly getting some more world players here in the spirit. Possibly if you get a situation like we've seen with, um, in the past, you've seen Carly Lloyd, you've seen, um, uh, 
you see Alex Morgan, they've wanted to test themselves in Europe or just at least get that experience in Europe. You, I could kind of see an Ashley Sanchez playing uh, over there in Olympic uh, Feminino, or I could see a Trinity Rodman going, well, I want to stay with the spirit, but I do want to try Europe once in a while. I could see it. I can see it, and I can see Michelle trying to send them over there to just be like, hey, you're still part of the family. I also can see, depending on where she goes with this, I would love to see some more of the Latin American flavor in this and see how much influence she can bring to Latin America with this conglomerate, because then you're bringing in more attention to the game in Latin America. That's one thing I think that's been lacking. Outside of Liga Mekis, you rarely see the other men's um, the men's leagues in other countries adding and creating the infrastructure that's a par to the women's game, the, to the men's game for the women. You know, Sauter is a good example. We'll get to Sauter in a second where while they train with the same badges and same jerseys, they're not treated to the same standard. And I think if you bring in a conglomerate now. This is like Red Bull. This is like Citigroup. And Citigroup has teams all over the world. So there's Red Bull. You see a change. You see people going, oh, we got to compete with them. And so maybe it pushes, like, one example I have is how Boca and River haven't made more noise with a women's team. They probably have them, but doesn't make the, they, the same they, as Well, I could, I could try to for that yes they do have them but again they don't have that same attention that you exactly. have that and you i think it would change exactly i think it would change if michelle let's say buys like i don't know pick your if she buys one of those teams and says oh no you gotta raise the standard we're gonna win the league here we're gonna be everybody and and i think and that's the thing that people don't realize michelle's competitive and the fact that she did this is what we've noticed. And she will put in her money where her mouth is. I, We haven't gotten word of where this training site is, but she says she wants to build in D.C. Good luck. They're trying to build a water park, a water park mixed in with a spa, mixed in with a pool party, mixed in with brunch all in one. They're trying to do that, and you're trying to also build your training facility and possibly a new stadium. Find your land now, but if she, if there's one millionaire that acts like a billionaire and wouldn't mind proving it to you guys, it's Michelle King. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. So she said I money trust is an object. Exactly. Look, you're never supposed to trust any of these millionaire billionaires, but I will say this: when they put their, they love when you challenge them to put their money in their mouth. Is I don't think outside of maybe monumental sports group, Michelle Kang has been one of the few owners in this area that's gone. Okay, let's play ball. And and it's a sight to see something in the area where you have these owners running scared every second. Um, but I'm here for it. I'm interested. I can't wait to see more from this ownership partnership. Hey, man. This is just the start of the world domination that Michelle Kang has visualized. See the sure. vision now. <laughs> sure. But... um. We'll end the podcast on a sadder note. Uh, we don't want to do it, but feel we have to with the D.C. area uh, with the second largest minority being uh, Salvadorian. Um, there was an incident where fans were blocked. In short, there was an incident that killed uh, where fans were killed in what was originally deemed as a stampede by stadium and police officials in El Salvador that killed 12 people, injured close to 500 others. Um, originally, it was unclear what happened, but from what reports suggest, fans were blocked from entering the stadium, Cuscatlan, despite having tickets. They ended up knocking down one of the small access gates in the stadium, and then it crushed people in the entranceway as well as in the stands. Um you had people rushing into the into the pitch. The game was barely 16 minutes in, where referees stopped play because the fans fans were starting to beg for attention and trying to ask for more air. 
so that they can carry the injured out players were seen helping those who were injured in the stampede um a lot of it involved alianza fans who were the home team at the time this was the playoff game between alianza and fast was the home leg for alianza uh medical treatment came to those who were injured and were on the field uh, according to a statement from President Nayib Bukele, he said, quote, El Salvador is mourning, unquote, following the death of the 12 people. Sections of the stadium were, were carting off because they're trying to avoid clashes with fans. However, in this case, with not all the entrances being open, it caused a bigger issue. According to the Civil Protections Director, Luis Amaya, about 500 people were attended to the stadium and about 100 were taken to the hospital. Right as we came on to the air, the health minister reported that the majority of those patients that were treated for injuries have been discharged and there has been no record of intra-hospital deaths at this time. I said a lot there, Memorial being the the Salvadoran community carries a lot of weight in our soccer community. What are your thoughts on the incident that happened in the Stadio Cuscatlan uh, last night? Uh, uh, I guess the first word that comes to mind is tragic. It, it, it's tragic. It's not, nothing else you could really you could really say about it other than this was a tragedy that kind of could have been avoided. Uh, some of the reports that were coming out of it was they had two, or some testimonies from people that were there saying that two gates were open for people to come in at that time, which given the nature of this game in particular, Alianza versus FAS, it's one of the bigger rivalry games in El Salvador. You you think you'd have like a little more access ways, but or a little more access to gates being opened or have a couple more gates open, but that's here, near or there. But, it, it, it was, it's something that could have been avoided. And it's tragic because people don't expect to go to these kinds of events thinking, I may possibly lose my life for all over it, essentially. But it, it's just one of those things where there are certain measures that could have been taken that could have been, that would have avoided some of this. And originally, it's if, for those who don't know, this story broke out late last night. So sometime, after the DC United games, when we start, when I start seeing the reports on Twitter, and just ev- and everything in between, it's just one of those situations is just sad. And I don't I apologize that I don't have much more to say on this matter. The Salvadoran Federation late last night, in an official statement on their social media pages, also said that they suspended all national league games from first division all the way to minor leagues were going to be suspended going into an investigation an investigation and a meeting to see how they could better handle security going forward into these games. When it comes to these incidents, it's very quick to go and find out what was wrong or who did wrong or you hear the testimony of fans about block gates and these things and that. I just want to remind people that this is a game and people should not be treated as picked for slaughter and that's what ended up happening here it's kind of sad that the first thing we did a lot of people did was they went and tried to inhumane a situation where people were killed tried to blame the fans tried to find fault where i was just i was more transfixed on trying to figure out how this happened and trying to figure out what is the consequences of these actions and I think too many times in our world of football, we forget that while we think it's a life or death situation because of the way we live the game, it is not life or death. And for some communities, they treat it as life or death. There's a way of treating things as life or death, but what they are is games. And this is a tragedy. And we've been talking about it. I have expressed my anger in terms of our local coverage here in the United States, but I've been very impressed uh, by U.S. soccer, by Johnny Infantino, 
Real Madrid, people who have no connections with the Salvadoran community or partial connections to the Salvadoran even, community. Even DC United as well. They sent out their condolences. Exactly. For, it's it's one of those things where that's what people want at this time. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't. The government has already said they're going to investigate this as a criminal investigation. But my thing is not even that. My thing is, let's make sure we mourn those who died and that we remind ourselves that this is a game and that this was uh, a tragedy. And that at the same time, that we are able to give people support. Uh, too many times, for those who remember, we had a similar situation happen in Querétaro last year. We had a situation happen in Egypt no less than five years ago. And so we'll round up this time frame. And it seems to me that while some nations are getting better in terms of being able to allow people to view matches, others have not. And there's danger all over these places to watch matches. The reality should not be that we should be okay with having people make it a dangerous place to go watch matches. It should not. Right. And I think the I think the worst part about it is there's people there that were going to see this game with their family, bringing their kids to this. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's I, I think it's what makes it a lot worse. And, and just pretty much everything, all the information that we've gotten i i think local cover i'm with you the local coverage of this has been it, it has not been great we're talking um, in terms of the local coverage our national coverage not specifically like that our, yeah, here more in the like united that. states like i was very saddened that we're leading with a liga at mekis playoff game on espn deportes on espn on univision deportes on on you know, when everybody's focused allegedly on a Mexican classical, people are dead. Right. That, that Not to say be. it leads, it leads. What I'm saying is when we cover sports, we don't cover tragedy well unless it's a known trigger like Pele dying. That shouldn't be the only time we care about death in our sport. When it's actual people dying, when attempting to watch a game, that's my biggest problem. We should be better. Right. I, I, I don't, and I, like, I'm not saying that some of the, like, talking about a Liga and Mekis game isn't important, but it shouldn't be the thing you lead with. It should be, like, you should, and I'm not saying that you should talk, like, the coverage should be all, all doom and gloom, but make it informative. Make it, don't give it just, a one-minute or two-minute snippet of it. Give, give it the importance that the importance that and the gravitas that the situation brings within this story. So I think that's where they really messed up on the coverage. But overall, I I I pray you know regardless of your religion, uh, religious affiliation, I pray. For and I think we all pray for the families of the victims that were hurt in this incident. Um, no word yet on when the football were returned. Hey, this was the second leg of that they were playing Saturday oh. on Saturday night. So these are all the second legs that are going to be that are that have been postponed. There's only one game that was all that's already completed. So they have one semifinalist into this, and that would be Dragon. But everybody, everybody else has to play the second leg. Yeah, and the football federations will figure that out. Like I said earlier, Bukele has already announced that this uh, that his government and his president and his uh, police officials will investigate it as a criminal investigation to see how ticket distribution happened, how the gates were set up, uh, who will be charged in the matter if there need be. Uh, all I say is I wish the best to those who had family members die or be injured during this incident. Um, and the players, like we saw players carrying people to safety. Who knows that they'll be in the, ment- the correct mental mind frame. We've had this similar conversation with the 
Buffalo Bills and how it took an extra week for them because they had they just saw the, their teammate have a heart attack. Imagine being one of these players and you saw your goalkeeper and your captain lifting someone to safety because their leg broke or their arm, you know, snapped or they're having a panic attack because they were being trampled on or, you know, imagine that. Like, that's going to take longer than a week, in my opinion, to be mentally yeah, that ready. Takes, so. Yeah, that takes some time. But anyway, I also joined uh, to give my condolences to, the fa- to those who lost a family member in this incident and i hope they find them and the uh peace to or i hope they find well yeah i'll just give my condolences to, to them and i i joined and i joined with them on uh join those families in their time more exactly um but that'll be enough for us here on the bad numbers fc podcast we had to end in a sour note but felt important to give what was the Uplifting news, at least for those who need it, on the situation that most of those who were taken to the hospital have been discharged and seem to be in a in a fine condition or a better condition than they were last night. Um, but that'll be enough for us. Uh, so while we let you go, Mario, tell the people where they can find more about you if they're interested to read your uh, local stories. All right, you want to know what I'm working on, or you just want to see. My live tweets of the game again last night between DC United and the LA Galaxy. You can follow me on Twitter at Mario Maya One. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can do that too at M underscore Amaya ninety one. You want to know what's going on in the world around you? Just want to know what's going on in the DMV? You can follow El Tiempo Latino on Twitter as well at El Tiempo Latino. You can go to their website eltiempolatino.com. And if you just want to put money in my pocket, you can go to your local newsstand and or metro station. Get yourself a hard copy of El Tiempo Latino today. And as always, you can follow me on Jose underscore M underscore Amana for more. Thank you so much to the, for the music, Kevin McLeod and Protect. Remember, rate and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and all your audio platforms. Thank you so much for tuning into the Matter Mix Episode podcast. And we hope to talk to you at a better time and hopefully coming soon. Adios.